Um, but I just want to hear God. I want God to speak. Amen? Because He is sovereign. How many know that God is sovereign? How many know what I'm talking about when I say God is sovereign? Because some people don't understand that. Some people don't know what sovereign really means. In fact, let me just kind of survey the, the congregation here this morning. When I say God is sovereign, what does that mean to you? Anybody over here just want to take a stab at it? There's no right or wrong. I just want to see what you... What, what do you think, Marv? When I say God is sovereign, he, He's never made a mistake. He doesn't make mistakes. Very good. Anybody else? What, what comes to your mind when I say God is sovereign? Dan? He's in charge. Very good. Yep, Debbie? He can do whatever he wants. God will? He's all sufficient. Anybody have a comment over here when I say God is sovereign? He's accountable to no man. Very good. And all of that encompasses our sovereign God. He is God and I am not. He is God and you are not. He is God and He makes no mistakes. He is God and He is fully in control of the universe and He's fully in control of our lives. He is God and He is sovereign and what unfolded for us yesterday, what unfolded for us last week, what we happen to be going through right now has not taken Him by surprise. He's God. He's sovereign God. You have your Bibles? How many have your Bible? Come on, hold it up. Don't, don't play me by grabbing one of those hymnals either. Come on. Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18. Let me read the first six verses of this great, great chapter in this wonderful book. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look at the clay Look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that transformation would occur today because of your word. I know 
Holy Spirit, that you have ordered the steps of every man, every woman, and every student that is gathered here today. It could not be any clearer to me. You're so good. Now speak to us, Lord. May we not miss what you have gathered us in this place to hear. May we not leave without the deposit that you desire to make in us. May we not leave, Lord, carrying the same baggage. May we leave changed by your word. Do you want to be changed today? Do you want to be changed today, church? Come on and close this prayer for me by saying amen. amen. So be it. Let it be so. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the potter and the clay. The Bible writers speak of the... Uh, the there are four Bible writers who speak of the potter and the clay. There is Isaiah, who, who had been given a vision of God's holiness... There is the prophet Jeremiah, who's known as what? Yeah, the weeping prophet. Zechariah spoke of the potter and the clay. And by the way, Zechariah so plainly talked of the crucified Christ. And there was the apostle Paul, who had a very clear understanding of grace. Our portion today, we are going to... See what Jeremiah has to say about the potter and the clay. Jeremiah is told by the Lord to go to the potter's house. There he sees the potter at work. He's at the wheel. He's shaping. He's forming. He's molding. He, he's, he's forming a vessel. I want us to see in our mind's eye this morning this picture. I want us to go back with Jeremiah, as he obediently does what the Lord commanded him to do. What God told him to do, he did. He said, go to the potter's house. Jeremiah obeyed, and he went to the potter's house. I still believe we ought to get to the potter's house. I know there are some that have forsaken going to the church building. They have become discouraged and disgruntled and, and uh, different, different things have, have turned them against the, 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 this church, the formal church. But I still say the Bible makes it very clear that we are to get to the house of God. We are not to forsake the assembling together, and I believe it's in the house of God. He told him to go to the potter's house and when he went to the potter's house, he found the potter in the house. I believe we still need to gather into this place, coming together for fellowship, coming together for the teaching of the Word, the preaching of the Word, coming together for, for salvation and for healing in the potter's house. Let me pull this apart for you this morning. There are three aspects that I want to deal with. First of all, I want us to look at the clay. Let's look at the clay. Verse number 3 of Jeremiah 18. He says, Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, 
making something at the wheel. What did he see when he actually entered into the potter's house? He sees various stages of clay. He sees, first of all, maybe over in this section of the potter's house, raw clay, unshaped, unmolded, not yet formed, not yet even touched, waiting for the potter to come to it, to bring it to the wheel, just raw clay. He sees in another section clay that has already been on the wheel, perhaps. It is shaped, it is formed, it has been molded, but it has not been through the fire. It's not gone through the furnace quite yet. Then he sees yet another section of clay that has come off of the shelf, gone onto the wheel, been shaped, and actually gone through the fire, and there it is, ready for purchase, ready for use. Much like what I have here today, completed works, already molded, already shaped, already formed, ready for use. But there's one more thing that Jeremiah sees as he goes into the potter's house. Not just the raw clay, not just the clay that has been shaped and ready for the firing, not just that which has been molded and, and, and shaped and then gone through the fire. There's one more thing that he sees. He sees the potter actually at the wheel making something. He sees the process unfolding before his very eyes. His hands are all dirty with the clay. The water, can you see the water next to him? He keeps having to dip into it to, to keep shaping. His foot is pressing a pedal and, and it's spinning a wheel. Can you see this? Can you see his hands on the inside? Can you see this? I wanted so desperately to have somebody here today that could, could shape some pottery, spin some pottery and mold some while I was preaching, but I could not find any. So you've got to really use your sanctified imagination today. See the potter. See him at the wheel. See the shaping in action. See the molding taking place. Folks, I want to remind you of something today. We're all from the same clay over here. The raw, untouched clay that has not been shaped or molded into anything. That's our foundation Every person, no matter what you are right now, no matter who you are right now, don't ever forget your beginnings. You're just a pile of dirt. <laughs> and I don't mean that wrong. And so am I. He, he gathered dust, he gathered dirt, the Bible says, and he, he shaped man, he formed man. And he breathed life into his nostrils. Go back into the beginning of the book. Go back to the beginning of Genesis. You'll see God at work in the clay, in the dirt. Just as Adam was formed from the dust of the ground, so were you. So was I. 
We need to remember that. Sometimes we get our eyes on somebody that works with us and they're driving a car that's better than ours. They live in a neighborhood that's better than ours. They, they make more money than we do. They hang around with friends that we think are cool and we want to be like them. Remember, they came from the same stockpile of clay and dirt that you did. And they are not better than you. We're all just clay that God has shaped and molded. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Folks, we, this, is our, this is our foundation. This is our formation. Wickedness. Evil. As part of clay, as part of dirt, as part of the world, we all have the same. Romans 3.23. When I say Romans 3.23, does anybody know where I'm going without me saying it or looking? Even if you don't quote it verbatim, where am I going? Huh? A little pop quiz? Take that off the screen. <laughs> Romans 3.23, all right. But how many knew where I was going before it came up on the screen? For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. No matter who you are, no matter who they are, we're all dirt, we're all clay, we all have a, a bend toward uh, sin and an evil nature. Don't ever forget your formations. Don't ever forget your foundations. Don't ever forget your beginnings. We all have evil hearts. We all have a sinful nature. We've all sinned. We all come short of God's glory. How about this? Romans 14, 12 says, Each one shall give account of himself to God. Wow. My mother, who has gone on to be with the Lord, she loved me dearly and did everything in her ability to see to it that I would know God. But she will not be able to plead my case on Judgment Day as much as she cared for me, as much as my wife cares for me to this day. Karen cannot plead my case. I cannot plead her case. On Judgment Day, ladies and gentlemen, each man, each woman, each boy, each girl will stand and give an account of himself. So will your co-workers, so will your neighbors, each one. We're all just dirt. We're all just clay. We all have the same foundation. We're all subject to the same temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. You ever felt temptation absolutely overtake you? Mm-hmm. Let me move on. But God is faithful. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation He will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Amen. That's so good. You think nobody's being tempted the way you are? You think nobody's being lured the way you are? You think yours is unique? It's not. The temptation that you face is common to all. And I'll say this, because the Bible says this. Jesus was tempted in the way that you're being tempted. 
Know what the Bible says? He was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews. Your temptation isn't special and unique. As part of dirt and clay, it's common. Here's another something that's common to clay. All of us have a death date. Hebrews 9.27 lets us know that it is appointed for men to die. Look at this. It is appointed for men to die. That's what it says. Just as you have a birth date and God knew what your birth date would be, so you have a death date. I happened to be born on December 28, 1963. The very worst week of the entire calendar year, I was born that week. I mean, it falls between Christmas and New Year's, two of the busiest holidays in the whole year. And I cry about it every, every year to my family, and they, uh, you know. But uh, I, actually, I actually am thankful. God knew my birthday. If he wanted me to be born the first part of January, he would have extended that out, right? If he wanted me to be born on Christmas Eve, the McDermott's were with us in the early service. David's Christmas Eve, isn't he? Yeah. Christmas Eve it is. And so you've got to go with it, right? God knew my birthday because he was busy fashioning and forming and shaping me while I was still in my mother's womb. You better know he knows your birth date, but he also knows your death date. There is a death date for every person in this room. And until God says, I'm done with you, you're going to be living. You're going to be breathing. There's only one thing that will prevent us from celebrating our death date. And that's a trumpet that will sound. I still believe in the trumpet that will sound. I believe that the dead in Christ will rise, and I believe that those that remain will be caught up to meet them in the air, and I believe they will be with the Lord forever. I believe that, folks. I believe that, church. But aside from the rapture of the church, we're all going by the grave. I'm not trying to bring you gloom and doom. I'm just telling you, you're dust, you're dirt, you're clay. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. From the dust you were formed, and to the dust we will go. It's just clay. It's just clay upon a, a shelf somewhere waiting. That's our beginnings. That's our formation. That's our foundation. Let's talk about the potter for a minute. If you're taking notes, I made it real simple for you today. The potter. Oh, I want to reread verse number three. It's so good. It says, I went down to the potter's house, and there he was. Don't you like how that reads? And there he was. It says in the New King James... And there he was, making something at the wheel. How many have the King James Version? Can you read out just that verse for us? King James? Go ahead, Gail.
Oh, I like that. I like how that's read, too. I like how that's worded. He wrought a work on the wheel. That's so good. I went down to the potter's house, and, well, there he was, working at the wheel. He wrought a work on the wheel. Do you know that you are a work? Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're a piece of work. Some of y'all want to be wanting to say that for months. Come on, tell your other neighbor it felt so good. Tell them you're a piece of work. Richard, you're a piece of work. Robin, you're a piece of work. Hey, you really are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make mistakes, and God doesn't make junk. You better know that you're not at the end of God's day with all the scraps laying around. He just gathered them up and threw them on the wheel and said, whatever comes out is good enough for that one. That is not so. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made on purpose. You're made with a design. You're made with a, with a purpose for God. God has a plan while he was rotting the work on the wheel. He had a plan for you. He had a plan for you. He had a plan for you. I'll make this one this way. That's the potter's business, isn't it? That's not, that's not your business. He's the one who has the design in his mind. You don't know what the design's supposed to be. I don't know what the design's supposed to come out looking like. That's in the potter's mind. The design is in his mind. He's the great architect. He's the great designer. The vessel rises on the wheel, formed by the touch of the master's hand. You see, the potter's plan is the best plan. Come on, somebody. The potter's plan for my life is the best plan. The potter's plan for your life, that's the best plan. He's got the design all worked out for every piece of clay. God has a plan for every person in this room. Every life he has a design for. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 9 and verse number 20. I want you to bring this scripture up. Indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? I don't know if you've ever felt that way or not. Have you ever felt like God? Why? God? Really? Look at this. Doesn't even have any color on it. Could hardly hold a little forget-me-not. Very forgettable, isn't it? God, that's all you had in mind for me? I remember been about 20 years ago, my wife's 
grandmother was going through some of the things that had been passed down from one generation to another. And Karen got two pieces of pottery. One very much like this one. I wasn't permitted to bring the actual one because it means so much and I'm known to be clumsy. <laughs> but it looks exactly like this one. And then a kind of a relish tray that's in the shape of a begonia leaf. And very much this same kind of gaudy look to it. This to me is gaudy. Right? And I said as much when she brought it home. And she had it out on a, on a coffee table, an end table. And she said, look what my grandma gave me. And I said, well, if your grandma ever comes over, you can put it out. But other than that, I think you ought to put that away. I thought it was gaudy. I, I thought, I, I just didn't like it. And she said, I, it's, my, it's my heritage. It's my grandmother, my great-grandmother's. And so I just, you know. I just shrugged my shoulders. How many husbands know what I'm talking about? I just shrugged my shoulders and nodded my head. And You're with me, aren't you, Ken? You're feeling that one. I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so she set it out. She left it out. She had both pieces prominently displayed. And my cousin came over one day. We were living in Springfield, Missouri, had student housing. And uh, my cousin was also living in the area. They've been going to Central Bible College as well. And she came over, and she grew up in a home that her mother dabbled in uh, antiques. In fact, was quite knowledgeable with antiques. And I'm telling you, it was just seconds, 30 seconds. She had assessed the room, and she instantly went to this picture. And Mickey, she, I mean, she gasped. She said, oh, where did you get that picture? And I was, you know, she's talking to Karen, and I'm kind of listening over at the side, like, you think it's that hideous too, huh? You know? <laughs> and she just kind of, where did you get, do you know what that is? And Karen said, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh. So she, she began to tell Karen, this is majolica. It's called majolica. It's a, a type of pottery that they made in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And she began to tell us how rare it is to find pieces that are intact and made it through because they used it as everyday, it was everyday use. Uh, they used it for water, milk, and you name it. And just most of it didn't make it. You know, you can imagine your everyday stuff, it just doesn't make it, right? It gets dinged, it gets broken, and it doesn't make it. She said it's, it's rare that you, it's, you find it, and it's very valuable because it's made it through. All of a sudden, this picture started becoming attractive to me. I thought, maybe it's just the lighting on it. But it looks better today than it did yesterday. I'm kind of liking this picture. I don't mind the little begonia relish tray either. And she educated us in about five minutes telling us all about Majolica. Well, we went out and bought a book on it, and we started collecting it. And there's over 60 pieces of Majolica in our home, proudly on display in almost every room of our house. I mean, it's just everywhere. My family still... On our anniversaries or special occasions, they'll send us some, or if they come to visit, they'll bring us a piece of majolica. 
And this has a good ding in it, a good bite out of it that's been repaired, but still valuable. Even though it was damaged, there's still great worth in this old, hundred-year-old pitcher, water pitcher. Can you imagine? It's probably worth about $350 or so a pitcher. That's a hundred years old. Look at this. This poor little pig can't even stand up on all fours. I got him in Nicaragua on our last trip. We'd gone shopping for souvenirs at the end of our ministry time. And I'd bought, well, junk, you know. I wanted Nicaraguan junk. I didn't have enough American junk. I wanted Nicaraguan junk. And, uh, I did, you know, you want to take a little piece of something home from this country, whatever. I, so I got, I got some things, and, and I saw this pitiful pig. Isn't that pitiful? I mean, let's just say, that's about as pitiful as you'll find. He can't even stand on all fours. He's got a broken little foot. It is a piggy bank, but pitiful. But instantly I said, Karen will love this. <laughs> now that's not to say that her taste is pitiful. She likes eclectic. How many have been in my house? Several people in the room, you've been in my house. She likes eclectic. She likes bright. We got, we got red in our house. You know, she likes that. So this pitiful pig is proudly on display in our kitchen. But what if the pitiful pig said to the maker, you're going to make me like that? This is all I get to be? By the way, there's not a flaw on this. It's a perfect little terracotta pot. I don't know what God has in mind for you. Some of us want to be the, the bigger vessels that are a little bit flashy. They've got the color on them. Some want to be the most used in the hands the most often from those who will be using. But only God knows the design that He had in mind for you because He's the potter. We are the workmanship from the potter. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Very, very familiar. E.E. E. has us memorize this, which says, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9 says, Not of works, lest anyone should boast. But listen to this in verse number 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Come on, somebody. For what? For good works which God beforehand prepared that we should walk in them. Whatever God had in mind for you, it was for good works. You are the workmanship of God and He is hoping that you will walk in that good work that He's destined for you. You're a piece of art. I had you say to your neighbor, you're a piece of work. Now I want you to tell them you're a masterpiece. 
Robin, you're a masterpiece. You really are. So unique. So specially designed. He took extra time for you. You're a masterpiece, Robert. I know you don't always feel that. But God shaped you. You are the workmanship of God. Beverly, Charlene, I've missed you. Nice to see your faces. Ladies, you're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. Specially designed by God himself for his work. And I can go around the room. I just don't have the time. I don't have the time. Katie, you're a masterpiece. You're a work of art. I know we don't feel that. Maybe ever. <laughs> I'd be a little worried about somebody that always knows they're a masterpiece. It's a little narcissistic, right? But go ahead and allow yourself right now, allow yourself to think, I'm a masterpiece. Come on, set up a little taller. Right? I'm, I'm going to pull my shoulders back. I'm going to suck my gut in. I'm a masterpiece. Don't laugh at me like that. You are. You are. You're a masterpiece in the potter's hand. Oh, but there's one more thing that I must... I must talk to you about, not just the clay and our commonality as clay, our formation, our foundation. And we could spend all day talking about the potter and his plan. There's one more thing that we must discuss before we leave here today. It's the breaking. Hmm. You see in verse 4, of our text, it says, And the vessel that he made of clay, it was marred, damaged. It was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. The flaw was found. It was unseen by others, but known to the potter. So what does the potter do? The potter makes it again. Because the potter knows best. What good is a marred vessel going to be? Pastor Dave, you are much stronger than I am. I know everybody can't see this, but this is actually useless. It's, it's of no value. It cannot hold the, the water that would be needed to moisturize the plant that may go in here. So I'm going to have you take that over to the middle there.
marred, so he made it again. Nobody likes to be broken. But know that where you are today is maybe not all that God had in mind for you. I'm sure you've seen people, just as I have, they go through life with a flaw so big you could drive a semi-truck through it. It's so obvious. It glares. It screams. Why? Because they would not allow the potter to break and remold, reshape. Who are you to say to the potter, I don't like how you made me, when he knows best? Change my heart. Oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the potter. going to have us sing this again. And just symbolically, I want you to see the potter at work today. Allow him to break you so that he could make you again. Sing this chorus with me one more time. Change my heart Change my heart Make it ever true Change my heart May I be like you
Here's what I want us to do today. Just before Pastor Moses leads us in this again, there are shards of clay up here. I'm going to invite you to come. I want you to find a shard of clay. And I want you to contemplate the potter, the clay, God's sovereignty in your life. And let him break you today. Let him make you and mold you. Chiseling off the flaws. Putting on those things that will make you perfect in him. Would you stand? I want you to come now. Come on, get a piece of this and find a place of prayer. Make it change my heart, change my heart, change my heart, oh God, oh God, may I be like you, change my heart, change my heart, oh God, change us Lord, Change us, Lord. Break us, God. Make us, Lord, what, what you would have us be. We pray, change our hearts. We want to be like you. We want to be like you. We want to be like you. You are the potter. You are the Jamie, I want you to come and help us with that great, great chorus. 
the potter's hand, the potter's wheel. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. piece of clay. Yes, Lord, fill us up. this shard of broken pottery. May it remind us of your sovereignty, that you are in control of our lives, that we rest in your hands, and you are shaping us, you're forming us, you're molding us for a good work. May we be reminded on this Sunday morning that we are your workmanship. May we further be reminded that you make no mistakes. Let your purpose for our lives be seen. May it unfold, God. We surrender to you and to your plan. In Jesus' name, we pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Mm. Not much to look at, is it? Somebody told me in the first service, Pastor, I'm displaying this proudly on my desk. So I'll be reminded every day. I'm just clay in the potter's hand. Amen. So good to have you in God's house this morning. Let me remind you, tonight at 6.30, another great word coming forth. I don't know if you've ever had trouble in your life, <laughs> but God spoke on how to prepare for trouble. You can actually be prepared for trouble. 
and uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to share that with you tonight from God's Word. That's at 6.30. Also, at 5.30, we have our prayer time. So uh, make sure and be part of that as well. Amen. Pastor Moses, I'm going to ask you to dismiss us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place this afternoon. Father, we are so grateful, God, that you have honored us. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you, God, that you are the potter. Father, and we thank you that you are committed, God, to making us, Father, who you desire us to be. Lord, I pray that every day, God, we would surrender ourselves, surrender our lives to you, God, so that you can mold us and make us, God, to the man, to the woman that you desire us to be. Father, to use us for your kingdom. Father, we thank you that we are a masterpiece, God, and that you are continuing, God, to make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, and we ask you this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.